0: On. Hello. Uh, I wanted to talk about, as you can see, what it's like being 20 in 2023, because that is the one thing that I know literally none of you can know, because none of you are 20. And as you can see, sorry if there are any grammar errors, uh, blame the school system. Uh, anyway, the first thing is simply, kind, it's kind of rough. It's it's good in some areas and bad in some, and that's why I'm going to cover a bunch of stuff here. But did you know that in 1997, a Big Mac meal, simple burger, fries, drink, what you would still get today from McDonald's, would cost you 4.59, which sounds crazy today because that's less than five dollars. Like you can get that pretty easily. Uh, now, items that are all the exact same and are all very inexpensive still cost over, well, not over, but $9 in other states. Here, uh, if you've ever been to McDonald's here, you would know it's over about $12, which is a little ridiculous to me. But that is just a small part of inflation currently, and it just keeps getting worse the more you start to go up in cost of things, such as homes. Uh, it, it is everywhere, it really is. If you tried to buy a home here or really anywhere, you would know it's very expensive and there hasn't been a crash in the market for quite a while. So buying a home in the next 10 years for most people my age will be extremely difficult. Now, if you go to college, obviously that helps. It's very, very good because well, college always ends up netting you more money, but I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, They will need to be in the perfect place at the perfect time. And this fact is uh, very scary for someone like me because all around me, I have people in my life Uh, Doug, I don't know where you are, but Doug's here. Ronnie, my parents, hey, there's Doug. A Bunch of people have told me that the best way to make recurring income all the time every month is own homes and rent it out to people or sell them. That's the best way to make money. But thinking about the fact that I probably won't be able to own a home in the next 10 years uh, is tough, unless of course I go to college. But there are some downsides with that. Well, also also crypto investments are good. (laughs) Uh, College feels like a joke in a lot of scenarios. A total of 45.3 million borrowers have student loan debt. That is a pretty unfathomable number when you try to actually conceptualize it. The amount of football fields that would take is way too many, way too many. (laughs) Uh, And 92% of them have federal loan debt, which no matter how you look at it debt is bad paying the government not fun um this will take the majority of people 15 to 25 years to fully pay off and that is strictly assuming that they actually go into the field that they you know taught or were taught rather for four to like 10 years and think that even means our doctors the people who keep us alive who save us who make sure that we're you know living daily Uh, it'll still take them around 15 to 25 years sometimes, because it's just ridiculous. Now, I'm sorry in advance for this. We're kind of jumping subjects. We're going to be talking about church, because I like this church, and I don't like too many others. (laughs) Uh, The church body, I think, is kind of a nightmare in general. Churches feel very shallow. A lot of the stuff, Just I've been to some other churches, they just don't really feel very genuine. A lot of them feel very kind of masky. You put your mask on, you go to church, and then you don't do much else when it comes to God. You don't really have a relationship. You just go to church to go to church. Um, Pastors talk about the same topics every year. Now, I love Larry. But he kind of overdoes it, because even when I'm not working, uh, I only actually remember like 40% of whatever he's talking about at any given time, so that's tough. But most pastors talk about stuff that like, very, very new Christians don't know, and they might want to know, and that's great, because we do need that, but it's kind of everywhere, and it's a little rare to really find people and pastors who put in a lot of passion and go super in-depth. So, yeah, and then I don't know why, but like in semi-recent news, I don't know, over the past like 10 years, there have been a weird amount of times where churches have been found uh, committing fraud, lying multiple times. And there's a lot of competition between churches, but not just churches, but also church people, which I guess kind of comes from the stigma that if you do better in the eyes of God, then you're going to go to a better place in heaven. I don't, I, don't, I don't get the idea. I wasn't raised that way, so I don't get it. A bunch of you probably have learned that, and now to you, it probably seems silly, because it, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, even up in Woodland Park, there's a lot of competition between like four churches and then Keris, which isn't a church, but they're kind of close. And it's just kind of weird, because it's not just like that here, it's in a lot of places. And I wish that it could be a little more relaxed and more uh, just love God and love each other, and it would be a little better, but hey, whatever. Now, the age gap in churches is wild. 60% of people age 65 and older report attending religious services at least once a week. Now, I don't know, but if you guys look in here, we're pretty good, actually. (laughs) We We do have some people over 65, You guys are doing good. Happy birthday, Meg. Um, And then we do have some people who are a bit younger, 30s. I think that I'm the youngest person here who isn't a literal child. Um, So, but yeah, as you can see, among 18 to 30 year olds, just 28% go that often, which is super minimal. That's like a really, really small amount. And that's not even, this was actually taken off of Google from about two years ago. And that number, I'm pretty sure has dwindled even more. It feels much lower in terms of younger people. I think older people are still uh, reigning supreme in that percentage. And I want to kind of try to explain why, other than obviously the fact that a bunch of stuff has come out about fraud and lying and terrible things, right? Um, Because that definitely makes people not wanna go. Um, Now, why is that the case? Some of it is probably the fact that the average attention span of a human is that of a goldfish. Now, I know that that sounds like a joke, but there was a study, and ever since TikTok became popular, uh, people's attention spans have gotten very, very slim, and you can see it in a lot of things in advertisements. There's a whole bunch of crazy stuff going on every two seconds, because you need to keep the mind focused onto the ad or whatever you're trying to make content, whatever it may be. And so that is an actual fact. It might be a little better than a goldfish, but not by much. Um, Other contributing factors is that it's just not very interesting normally when you're told the same thing over and over again for 12 months and then another 12 months. It's kind of like school, right? With school, right, they teach you this stuff and then two years later, they go a little more in depth. It's just that with churches, they don't go more in depth and that's kind of an issue. Larry, as you guys know, goes very in depth. As I said before, he knows his stuff and he does a ton of research for all people, because, well, it, it helps. Yeah, it's Larry. Um, but yeah, most people 20, my age, even like 25, don't really think that it's very interesting, as shown by the numbers. It just, for them, it's just something that is a waste of time. It's a waste of a reason to get up in the morning on Sunday, or for us, Friday night. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Um, so let's see, who made it that way? I don't I don't know, um, but evolution of humanity, right? Uh, if we do something enough times, it kind of just becomes a part of a culture. And uh, in the US, we like to make a lot of cultural differences, um, or at least we did. And now a lot of stuff is very set in stone. Um, so yeah, I'm not too sure, but I do just think that it's been built up over time because it's been the same thing from the same pastors in the same churches, no matter where you go in the US. It's the same teachings on different months, and that's about it, but it's the same type of stuff. And sometimes you'll learn a couple new things, but I mean, if if any of you have gone to a church for five years and you reflect, you've probably seen that a lot of the teachings are very similar, almost the same. Um, maybe a little bit different, but in reality, they get the same point across, and they do it very simply, very shallowly. Um, so yeah, uh, after enough time of the same teaching, it gets ingrained, which I think has also kind of happened with the Bible, um, which is okay to an extent, but if you read multiple Bibles, you'll know they are vastly different, and that's because people read a Bible, and then they want to make their own Bible, and then they make their own Bible, and it is completely different, and the verbiage and everything is very, very different, which Larry has taught you guys, um, so luckily I don't have to do that, because I'm not good at that part. Um, Yeah, so here are some pros and cons. I am legally allowed to go to fully nude strip clubs only. Do I know why? No. Um, I googled things that were good about being 20, not many, so it was a stretch. Um, However, I am also able to be forced to possibly die for my country, which is weird to me. That doesn't really make that much sense to me, but hey. Um, Some more stuff, I'm able to buy something that almost strictly kills me, tobacco. But I cannot buy alcohol, which can kill me, but also anything can kill you with the wrong moderation. But uh, I just can't buy alcohol, but I can go get some cigarettes and I can buy six packs and smoke them all in one day. So I don't really understand why that's the case, but it is. Um, And let's see, I can vote, awesome. I can rent, very cool. I can get married. Awesome. Uh, And best of all, I can sue people. So I can have lawsuits. That's one of my favorites, personally. I've never had a lawsuit, I'm glad. Um, But I can also sign my soul away to a company and they can take like 10% of my revenue every month for like 12 years of my life or something, depending on how terrible of a contract you sign. Um, But I can't gamble. So I can throw my life away, but I can't have a chance at throwing it away. So that's really fun. Um, and I can't rent a car, which kind of makes sense because 20-year-olds are kind of terrible drivers because they've only been driving for like four years, but I still don't know why I uh, can sign my soul away, but I can't rent a car. It's a little weird to me. Um, and yeah, so this is something that is, feels very specific to 2023, at least for me. I don't know, could be uh, the same back in the day. I don't really know, I'm only 20, sorry. Um, but sometimes it hurts being a man sometimes being male, Um, because as a man being younger, you're expected to lift weights or just work out, be strong and make stuff happen, even if it seems impossible. And I'm sure that every man and a lot of the women, probably all of the women in here can say that, yes, you've had those times where you do feel like something that you have to do is just impossible. It just can't be done. Um, I'm sure that for many of you, there are many of those moments. I've had quite a few of those moments personally, and I'm only 20. So it's a little rough and the idea is fantastic, but it really does drain you. The, the idea of being able to just do stuff, no matter how difficult it may seem is fantastic, but doing stuff takes energy. And a lot of people don't like to talk about the mental energy that doing things takes. I like people, I like you guys. When I get home, I want to go to bed. <laughs> I'm tired because I'm not a super social person. Um, I, I I do like people, but it is still, it, it drains my battery. It drains my energy. So I need to go home and I need to recoup. And some men are in a rough position where they always have to keep going and their battery is just constantly depleting so long. And then they finally get to a point where they break. And t- sometimes I say shatter because breaking is like, Sometimes still mendable shattering feels almost unfixable. Uh, But hey, God's cool, so he helps. Um, Sometimes there's so many things going on in a man's head, but he has to put everything to the side for other people. It's very funny. I saw a mug that I wanted that said, uh, let me put everything I have on my plate to the side for you and do your stuff. (laughs) I wanted to get it, but it was like $20. It wasn't worth it. Not in this economy. But anyway, so yeah, uh, and everyone has to do this, but so many men have to do this daily, nonstop, no break. I'm not going to exclude women here because they also have to deal with a ton of stuff. Um, But as you'll see in a second, numbers heavily reflect that men do struggle a lot because they have to be go, go, go mode 100% of the time, all the time, getting six hours of sleep for months on end and just dealing with it because we're men. That's what we're told to do. That's what we've been told to do for a very long time. Unfortunately, it shows in the average suicide rates. The rate of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men in 2021, and died by suicide nearly four times more than women. That is such a severe number to even think, because the number of women that die by suicide is not that high, but it's still high enough that it's scary that that number is not just equal or times two, it's four times more. That is an incredible amount of people. On average, there are 132 suicides per day, and that number only goes up every year. That is a little scary for most people because it is a pretty high number, and that's all across the U, well, not just the US, all across the world, Um, and that's counting men and women. Um, And it's just, it's ridiculous uh if you are struggling please talk to anyone in Choyland. you guys seem like you're pretty good but i have i do also know people who are depressed and do struggle with a lot of stuff and it doesn't show to most people because they they get out of bed they do their day and they're really drained and it's a struggle every day is a struggle getting out of bed is tough eating sometimes tough drinking water regularly doing things that you need to do to survive all very difficult things making a phone call to I don't know, go to a doctor and get your health checked after you've had some itch in your side for, you know, nine months, that's difficult. And that's why sometimes more problems can happen if you just let that go. So yes, I do want to reiterate, uh, talk to someone at Joyland if you want to, every one of us very open. Um, you can also message us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook message thing. Someone will reach out to you very quickly, but also, just talk to a fre- uh, friend, family member, whatever you wanna do. Just anything, if you are feeling super bad about yourself or in general or about the world. Um, luckily, I'm very lucky to have people who remind me that things aren't terrible. I'm Not super depressed, I'm good, but uh, it's nice to still have the people who reiterate that things are pretty good for me.
1: Thank you, Riley.
0: Is, is that the full 30?
1: That is 20. That's 20, we got, uh, awesome,
0: we got questions. Yo, that's time do perfect. 10 minutes for
1: questions, that was very well executed awesome. your timing
0: i've never even made a powerpoint so he so did
1: really good with that awesome. so Thank you guys. all right so yeah um, any questions? i will give the mic to whoever wants to come ask a question
2: riley
0: hi hi ronnie
2: you're one of my favorites <laughs> i'm glad if you were to summarize your whole talk what would the main point be
0: things are tough things are difficult no matter how old you may be and stuff may look very bleak and numbers may dwindle in every area, but that's okay because there's still stuff to look forward to and it's, it's always worth staying. It is always worth staying no matter what and I want people to be aware of numbers and circumstances for people. That is the best way for me to sum it up.
2: Awesome, thank you.
0: Would you say that you're a half
2: glass full or half glass empty?
0: I would say that typically I'm a half uh, glass, half empty, normally. Um, I've just had a lot of rough things uh, that have happened in my life. I am 20 and I've been to 19 funerals, so I've seen a lot of death for kind of every possible thing. Friend of a friend, friend, uh, my girlfriend's mother at one point. Just a lot of very different things, family members. I've seen a lot of stuff and I do look at the world and I do see that there's a lot of pain and suffering and anguish and terrible things going on. But I also know that I can try to somewhat make a difference and do, do what I can in my time because I still have plenty of years and I'm, on, I'm not trying to cut it short because then that hurts everyone, including people who don't even know me, not yet at least.
2: Have you ever considered college?
0: I have, I actually was very confident that I was gonna to go to college until I was about 14. And then I decided this is, there's nothing that's in college that I wanna do.
2: So what do you think you're gonna do for a career?
0: I'm gonna own a business. Uh, I already do own a business. And uh, yeah, we made these, well, I mean, yeah, I made these shoes. They're pretty cool. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, so starting, being, entrep- being an entrepreneur, that's the best way to put it, I guess, because I have a lot of uh, ideas for stuff.
2: Riley, great job. Thank you. We know that you always had that in you. One of the things I can see from your presentation is that you really care and you really care about people.
0: I do, I do.
2: So I'm hoping that you follow through with that.
0: I Aside
2: I from business or might it, what it might be for a profession, just to make yourself available. There's a lot of young people that just want to speak to other young people. Yeah, Not people my age, but people your age. So I hope you'll keep it up, let that be known. It can be one-on-ones, you might not be comfortable in this environment but one-on-ones would probably be your thing, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, one-on-ones are better for me, but yeah. also I do I do live streaming stuff and there are sometimes where people come into my chat and they talk about how terrible of a day they've had and it's kind of a weird dynamic cuz I have to balance being saying like I'm your friend versus I am here for you but I don't know you so I can't really be your friend yet, but I will do what I can and I will try to entertain you and make you happy still.
2: Well, thank you for your good heart. Yeah. God bless you.
0: One thing that I would like to mention just really fast is um, for those of you who do not know, uh, June is actually men's mental health awareness month. And I don't fault any of you if you didn't know that because almost no one knows about that. Um, But it was actually officially made the month of that, like, I don't know, like 40, 50 years ago. By one of the presidents, don't remember which one. Um, I forgot to do my research on that. Sorry, um, but yeah. So when June comes around, just try to make sure that you know people are doing well. Your friends, family, not just men, but also especially men, as you saw by the st- uh, statistics and stuff. That's
2: great. Thanks, Riley. So I heard somebody uh, compare modern church to uh, attending a bad play or poorly acted film every every week. Yeah. Um, on Wednesday night this week. So any, it hit kind of close to home. Um, Any thoughts on how we can better engage uh, a generation who doesn't necessarily want to do the same old thing because it's the
0: quote unquote
2: right thing to do?
0: Um, I think being more involved and it's, it's tough, right? Because the church body is very set in their ways, their teachings, their ideas, all of it. Right. They, they follow one single Bible. Larry, he follows like 16. So, you know, it's Larry. Um, but like other churches, other pastors, they're fine. It's all right. You know, if you go to the churches, I don't, I don't blame you at all. There's no reason to blame you. You're loving God and hopefully loving people. Um, but I think that as personal people, as Joylanders yourselves, the best thing that you can do is, this is going to sound crazy, go into a church and get on the leadership team. (laughs) That is by far the best way, but also if you just wanna talk one-on-one with someone or maybe with another family, I know that you have a family, so maybe there's a couple parents with a kid or even just one parent with a kid, and you wanna try to help the parents understand a bit more rather than just the shallowness, the simplicity of it all. Because for most people, it really has just been ingrained that like, oh, well, I've been coming to this church for 12 years, I'm 18 now, and So now I'm just gonna keep going, but there's no reason. That's the issue is that for them, there's no reason to go other than, well, it's just what I've been doing. Breaking habit is hard for people. And when you've been going to church every week on a Sunday, that's a habit that has been ingrained in you for 12 years. And that's really hard to break. So I think that the best thing is try to, try to make people understand and realize that there's not just one way of thinking because then they're gonna probably go off and do their own research as long as they care. Now getting them, to care more, that's a different story. It's a little harder, takes a bit more time, I think. But for the people who seem like they kind of care but kind of don't, I think that just talking to them one-on-one or as as a family, I think is fantastic. As a Joylander yourself. Uh, For the rest of it, I'm not too sure. All right, thank you. Yeah, of course. Hello. Hi.
3: My name's Raven. You probably yeah. never met me.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know you at all.
3: So the men's mental health issue is something that is important and not talked about enough. And as a woman who is in my early 20s, I see double standards everywhere because I have struggled with mental health. And I mean, at times it's been very difficult to ask for help. But I've seen and lost friends who were male who didn't feel like they could. Yeah. Ask for help. And I see that everywhere. I see it coming from their parents. Like if you're a man, you shouldn't have feelings. That's not your job. It's your yes. job to be strong for your family. And so I've got two questions. One, as a man, I mean, I think it's lovely that you had the parents you did who taught you that your feelings are absolutely bad. Hey mom, you're pretty cool. Yeah, you're pretty cool. Thanks. Um, But first question is a lot of these people I know you guys have children and I don't know if you know, your children have also dealt with the same feelings that a lot of the people in my generation have where we might not feel comfortable going to our parents because we might feel like we're disappointing if we have to ask for help. So what would your advice be to the parents here to make that a more broachable subject? And then second, what have your parents done for you to help you feel safe, bringing up your, your feelings, your emotions, and creating an environment where you can be honest and ask for help?
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to start by answering a second question, because um, my mom will say this forever, basically. She read a book that's yeah. um, <laughs> called Loving Your Kids on Purpose. And though it is called Loving Your Kids on Purpose, it is way better than just for kids. It's for loving people on purpose not just saying that you love people because you love people it's, it teaches you how to make decisions on who to love who you actually love who you care about rather than just saying oh well i love this person because they're family or something because where to put your energy yeah where to where to put your energy where to put your time where to put your care where to put your love and for some people it's worth it but for some people it isn't um so one i encourage you all to read that uh, i even need to read it yeah danny silk yes it is a danny silk book um, loving your kids on purpose, fantastic. According to her, like I said, I haven't read it yet, but hey, I turned out pretty well and I'm talking <laughs> here today, so. Um, and then to answer the second thing, or I guess the first thing, um, read the book and just try to reach out every so often. It doesn't have to be a set time. Just try to think about it. And if you, can't, if you don't just randomly think about it, then do set a time. Do set a time every month, Wednesday, 2 p.m on, I don't know, January, set a time and just reach out to your children. And some of you have one child, like my mother, and some people have like five or six. And so you gotta, you you have to approach it and sometimes you gotta push a little bit. You don't wanna push too much because then sometimes that'll push people away, but just try to be there. And if you you were a very good parent uh, towards the beginning, then I'm sure that they'll open up to you much easier. Oh, there's my time. I'll I'll make it I'll make the answer fast.
4: Uh, well, I was going to actually say I I would love a one-on-one with you okay. because this one will take I think a little time. I have strong convictions that each generation that comes into the earth has a specific purpose. And so with all the things that you just talked about and I have kids in your age bracket and a little bit older, I am constantly asking God, "Okay, what is the purpose for this generation?" in all of the things that seem unprecedented that you guys have to face. Yeah. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts about that sometime.
0: I will give you a one-word answer for now, because uh, I gotta keep it short. Uh, chaos, which I know sounds weird, but that is my shortest, simplest answer right now. And I'm good.
1: Thank you, Riley. Appreciate it. You're good. Thank you so much for saying yes. and. All the effort you put into that and answering questions. So that was great. All right, next we have Terry Harrison. Welcome.
4: I'm Terry Harrison, and my talk will be How to Be 56 Years Old in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Well, there could be. Um, so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a, a sports massage therapist, in case some of you didn't know this, and, um, and in the last year and a half, I've been dealing with symptoms, treatment, and recovery from cancer. Um, my symptoms started in December 2021. I thought I was dealing with bleeding hemorrhoids. I got through four, having four kids, And it's like, then I just started dealing with hemorrhoids. So I'm like, "Ah." but um, I tried treating myself with natural remedies for a couple of months, but that, um, I didn't see any improvement with that. And I was thinking about going to the doctor in March, but I ended up putting in an application for a rental. And if you understand Woodland Park and rentals, um, I ended up getting it. And so my focus had to be on packing up and moving within three weeks of seeing the house. So... By April, I really wasn't doing good at all, and I was trying to get established with a local doctor. Um, When I called my insurance company, um, they ended up giving me like a five-month wrestling match, saying that I wasn't in their system. Well, my dad was military, my ex was military. There hasn't been a day that I haven't been in their system. Um, And then they were saying that I didn't qualify under these new regulations. That they implemented but never informed me because they still had my address from eight years ago, even though I've updated it through the years, but um, the joys of working with the government. Um, So I started an appeal process with them. By July I really, really wasn't doing well and went to the army hospital emergency room. They did an exam and then they did a CAT scan and found a cancerous tumor at the rectum. The appeal process finally did uh, get taken care of, and I was approved in August. So I still had a couple of weeks after being diagnosed to wait to get proper care with an oncologist. Um, From the times of the symptoms to now, these are some of the things that I've learned that have helped me in this process. First is love. Uh, When the symptoms kicked in, I was in a lot of pain and was exhausted. I was up most of the night going to the bathroom because the amount of bleeding that was going on, not getting more than an hour of sleep most nights at a time. And during that time, it was all I could do to show up at work. So when I got home, all I did was rest. I wasn't cleaning my house, doing dishes. I was barely getting any laundry done. All my energy needed to be for work. And as I lay there surrounded by a messy house, I made sure that my self-talk was where it needed to be. I kept saying things like, I can afford to be generous and kind to myself. I can give myself permission to rest and recover. The best thing I can do for myself is not to worry about the things around me, but to be intentional about putting my physical needs above my temporal needs. And then life won't always be like this. You see, I'm a life coach also, and along with being a sports massage therapist, but it was important to know that I do practice what I preach because self-talk is really important. It can be your victory or it can be your victim. I would be generous and patient with somebody if they were in health crisis. It was important to treat myself with the same consideration and love that I would so easily pour out to others. So uh, Mark 12, 31 says, love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to try this um, activation is what I'd like to call it. Now, I want you to fill your heart with love. Just fill it with a feeling of love and feeling it expand and expand and expand. You're gonna be stretching, stretching and filling with that love. Keep stretching, keep filling till it's like this big. Now I want you to take that love, that heart of love that you have, and I want you to wrap it around your neighbor like a hug, like a heart hug for your neighbor. So you're going to take that heart of love all stretched out in full and wrap it around your neighbor. Well, that takes extra love. <laughs> or you can send it to somebody else in the room. How's that? Okay. So now we're going to, challenge, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Now we're going to fill our hearts again with love. We're going to bring it back. And we're going to fill that heart with love, more love, more love. And we're going to stretch it real big, real big, because I want you to think about either Green Mountain Falls, Colorado Springs, Woodland Park, Divide, whatever city that you're in, or as you have a heart for. And I want you to spread your heart of love over that city. Do you see I have to stretch it a little bit bigger? Stretch it bigger, stretch it bigger to cover that city with your love. A heart of love stretched over a city. Okay, now bring it back. We're going to do it one more time. So fill it back up, fill it back up with love. And we're going to stretch it out again. Stretch it out, stretch it out full of love. Stretch it wide. Now wrap yourself in that love. Did you see how it was almost easier to wrap someone else or a big city in that love than it is for you to receive your own love? This might take some practice to give it to yourself. And sometimes we have to learn to love our neighbors first. So then we can in turn learn to love ourselves with that same love. So the second thing is emotional dis-ease. While I was waiting for medical support, what is there for me to do for myself? I've done all that I could physically, so my focus turned to being the emotional part. You see, the emotional dis-ease opens the door for physical disease. They say about 85% of physical disease is emotional-based, although I think that even is more than that. So what I did is I looked up the emotional root of polyps. Polyps are what tumors are before they go rogue. Well, the emotional root of polyps is self-hatred. I could see where that's applicable. I was upset with myself for some choices that I had done, and then some situations that I got myself into. So I had to do some work on myself. And I did that, but I still needed help. So with the work of our very own Jen, Hi, Jen. uh, Jen Beamer, who does a technique called Splunkna, um, I did some sessions with her. And so for our first session, we dealt with self-hatred. In the course of the session, I found out that self-hatred is actually a coping mechanism for unreturned love. When Jen said those two words, unreturned love, that just pretty much summed up my whole life. I was raised in an emotionally abusive family, being bullied by my three brothers. I had a baby out of wedlock at 19, and I didn't have the support of the father, and my family wouldn't let me bring bring her home. So I had to place her for adoption because I didn't have the means to raise her myself. And then I went through a 20-year marriage to a narcissist. Lots of unreturned love. The next session I did with Jen, I wanted to deal with unworthiness. And Jen got super excited about this. It's like I just told her we're going to Disneyland tomorrow. She was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, have I told you? Have I told you? And I'm like... No. So this is what she told me. In the New Testament where it says spirit of Antichrist or the Antichrist spirit, that the closest thing in Hebrew that can be translated to is unworthiness. That continues to blow my mind today that the most Antichrist thing is the spirit, is the unworthiness just leave that one there. That, that's like a piece of beef jerky. You just kind of take off a slice and have to chew on it for a while. Finally, we're going to deal with giving and receiving. Giving tends to be fundamental in the Christian walk. I have been taught to give and to share most of my life, and I assume so of you. Giving or being a giver means you're trying not to be selfish, self-centered, but living a life with compassion and kindness and love. Acts 20:35. it is better to give than to receive. Second Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver. This has been a year of receiving for me as I have gone through over a year of cancer treatments unable to work. People and agencies were helping me. It was easy to feel horribly awkward and to feel like a charity case. It felt so humbling to receive. I wrestled with feelings of inadequacy, unworthiness, humiliation, justification, rejection, isolation, and despair. I can feel desperate and ashamed all at the same time. Even after I received a gift or help, I have wrestled with the tension of answered prayer. So I'd get an answer to prayer, yay. But at the same time, there was a feeling of unworthiness and not being enough. I found myself trying to justify why I needed so much help or try to figure out how little I needed as not to take too much. So this is what I figured out about givers. As a giver, I have a history with God of giving sometimes everything, knowing that he will take care of me. If I gave you the shirt off of my back, I know he would provide for me. But if you gave me the shirt off your back, especially if I didn't need it, this is where it got hard for me. You see, as a giver, I am used to being in the middle of what God is doing and being a part of the answered prayer in your life. But as a receiver, now I'm part of God. Um, and now I'm not part of what God is doing to take care of you. And I don't have a history of that. I have to learn to trust God to take care of you without me being involved. This is a different kind of faith. Although if you look at it, it's really the same, it's just a different perspective. Let's look at giving and receiving another way. As I've mentioned, I am a sports massage therapist. So let's apply some of my knowledge of further understanding of what's going on. First, you need to know that muscles pull, they don't push. So every muscle that pulls something one way, there's going to be an opposite muscle that pulls at the other. And our brain is smart enough to know that if this muscle is on, this muscle has to turn off. So basically you can't have two opposing muscles on at the same time. Well, giving is a muscle and receiving is the opposite muscle. And you have to have equal balance strength in both to have a healthy joint and good range of motion and movement. The problems with givers is their receiving muscle is atrophied or so weak from not using it. So the only way to get healthy is to do everything you do with your giving muscle you do that with your receiving muscle. What does that look like? Freely you have given, so freely you receive. If you are not stingy in your giving, don't be stingy in your receiving. If you gave abundantly, then receive abundantly. Cheerfully you have given, so cheerfully receive. You need to joyfully receive without keeping an account so that you can pay them back when you get a chance. During this last year, I've received many costly gifts of time, energy, money, and prayer. I was trying to keep a mental record of who gave so that maybe when things return back to normal, I could kind of balance the scales. But this is what God talked to me about. It is my only job to receive well, period. It is God's job to put value on the gift, not mine. It is God's job to see that you get a return on your investment, not mine. If you are a great giver, I pray you're given the opportunity to be a great receiver. Now for a medical update. I still get tired easy. (laughs) I've got some adult, I am getting some adulting stuff done and I am working like part, part time. But I have to take it slow and steady. I am getting away from having to take a nap every day, but it still happens at least once a week and sometimes several times a week. It depends on how much adulting stuff I have to get done. Um, Monday, I have an MRI and a CT scan um, that I'm going to be doing. And then on Wednesday, I meet with the surgeon to find out if he has a job to do or not. So the results of the test will show if the tumor is there or not. If it is there, the surgeon has a job and his job will be to remove it. If it's not there, then I still have... Uh, surgeries after that to remove the medical devices that they put in my body a year ago. I get asked a lot this, do you feel the tumor? Is it there or is it gone? Well, with all the scar tissue down there from radiation, it's hard to tell. But this is what I would say. I am healed. I just don't know where I am in the healing process. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing and updates and lots of good wisdom there. So, Dan, are you coming? Come on up. Yes, we got one mic, so I'm giving
2: it. Hey, thank you for sharing all that. Um, I was struck by your words on the giving and receiving that... Uh, how many of you guys out there had the visceral reaction when she said the word charity case? Just kind of go, (laughs) ooh. Which I think from a Christian perspective, it's like, yes, I want to give. I want to give. I want to give. I don't want to receive charity. (laughs) And everybody's at such a, I I guess it's an unworthy, right? It's unworthiness. I feel like if I'm receiving, then I must be lacking and I think that's an important lesson for us to disconnect lack from receiving. So.
4: Yeah, I, re- I agree that we, we have been taught to give everything. And we've been taught that receiving isn't as glorious as giving. And to be in need is not as glorious as being not in need. I know, you get to hear all of that stuff, you know, and so... Um, but receiving does require a faith and a trust and knowing that God's provision comes to you in different ways and that too many times receiving has allowed the enemy to come in and harass and punish us for needing and being needy or not having enough or not being enough. And the truth is, is that you are enough and our provision um, comes in many different ways. I have a friend that she was praying the, the prayer of, God, I pray for multiple streams of income. And one day God asked her, do you want to pray a better prayer? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, pray for multiple streams of provision. Because too many times our provision is what the works of our hands can do. And right now I can't work hard enough to deal with the things that I'm dealing with. God still is providing and taking care of me, um, especially when I have surgery next month. You know, it's going to take four to six weeks because it's all the muscles that I use for what I do. I my, What I do is kind of like a physical therapy appointment, but I'm not a physical therapist. I don't have that many student loans and you'll actually like me at the end of the hour. You won't hate me. Um, so things are still up in the air and I'm still walking it out, but um, God's provided all along the way. The receiving aspect of, of what you just taught us
2: was absolutely incredible. And I want to I wanna give honor to whom honor is due, because I struggled with that immensely. And Richard gave to me one time and I almost refused it for that very reason. And I had to, I, I had to deal with that for a couple of days, but then daddy made that okay. But I didn't have the understanding of it that you just gave us. And I really appreciate what you just said. And I am going to thank
3: you again, Richard.
4: That's why it's important not to um to keep accounts because you want to like in the back of your head go well when i when life returns to normal i'll be able to do something and there's not enough doing sometimes you just need to be in receiving mode and your receiving season actually we will determine your next giving season when you're talking about this i just remember this one time cuz i struggle with it i you know i don't want to take anything from anybody and in church, they said to me, If you don't receive what they're giving you, you take away from their blessing that they will receive. So just take it. And it's hard, it's not easy. It is something that you can learn to do, just like you learned to give and to trust God when you gave everything away, that you can also trust God when you receive everything and can give nothing.
2: Sure, so that's wonderful. We know how much you've been through and you've been strong through so much of it. And God bless you for it and for your faith. You know, I know God wants you healed and we're believing with you that you are healed. Uh, we have a friend I was telling you about that was going through the same thing you are. And she just finished her, what is it, six weeks of heavy duty chemotherapy, just ready to celebrate having and she fell and broke her humerus and dislocated her shoulder. Uh, and, you know, it's really hard. You just have to keep plugging into people and encouraging. It's very different, son. It's difficult, you know, but I, I can appreciate what you've gone through. I haven't gone through it, but I've gone through similar situations. You just have to keep your faith strong and let other people pray and lift you up, and we're praying and lifting you up. God bless you. Thanks for sharing. It's wonderful.
4: We'll give you a little caveat. So, I'm actually writing a book of what Nancy Cohn calls my terrorisms. So, the giving and receiving, a lot of the stuff is in the book that I'm writing. And one of the things that I've written was um, God, show me faith is like a balloon but hope is the air inside that determines the size. So if you can get a fiery hope, you can have a hot air balloon of faith.
1: So, anyway. All right, well, thank you very much, Terry, bless you.